everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are in the second week of Howdy Partner, our theme for July 2019, where Corey and I have selected westerns that we have not seen that are on our gap list, at least our individual gap list. Uh, the first week, Bone Tomahawk, I had seen. But I think the rest of the month um, are all movies that neither of us have seen. And uh, that's always fun, when both of us are seeing something for the first time. Um, this episode, we're going to be reviewing Shane from 1953. Uh, but before we get into that, we like to talk about what's been going on in our lives, which won't be too much, because we're recording a little early this week, and what else uh, we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how's it going? It's going. I have a short week this week, work-wise, so that's nice. What is it that you're doing again? Um, so, <laughs> I'm leaving Thursday to go visit my friend in Detroit, and oh, okay. we're going to go see one of Jack White's bands, The Raconteurs, at ah. the Masonic Temple. Um, it's kind of her dream show. She always said, if Jack White ever plays there, we have to go, and he, he's playing there, so it's going to be a good time. They just released their third album, and I think it was 11 years between their previous album and this one, so it's that's pretty exciting. Very cool. Uh, oh, and today's Jack White's birthday. Happy birthday. The day we're recording this, not the day yeah, you're Yeah, Tuesday. This, but, Sorry. Um, yeah, no problem, no problem. I'm just helping the listeners so they're not like, oh, no, I didn't realize this Sunday that I'm listening to this podcast or whatever. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, yeah, you're traveling. Um, and you also, you're having some dental work done, you said, right? Gross. Tomorrow I'm having a crown done. Guys, I don't even want to talk about how much money I have spent on my extensive dental work. It's funny you bring that up. Taylor and I um, <sighs> went to the dentist this morning uh, for our like x-rays and like checkup. Um, mm -hmm. And we both have to come back in three weeks to get fillings. Oh. Um, I have like... I'm also... Apparently I'm a big enough of a wuss based on my previous encounter that I was offered the option of sedation or laughing gas and i went with the laughing gas and taylor was not offered either i don't know if they don't offer that to minors or how that works i'm still fairly new to the whole dentist thing because i grew up without insurance um and same uh i spent the most of my adult life with insurance too afraid to go to the dentist until finally uh two years ago i had my wisdom teeth and some other uh extractions done for the neglect that i had uh, done and so now i'm finally getting into the flow and this will be my first like non-major procedure but bigger than a cleaning, you know what I mean? Like, because the other thing was surgery, and they had put me under because I had like a lot of teeth getting removed. Um, so this is just fillings, uh, and I opted. I'm trying to be brave, and I'm just going to do the laughing gas um, and not the full sedation. Uh, but I'm still kind of like terrified. Um, but I got like three weeks to think about it and freak out. So we'll see how that goes. Well, <laughs> don't do that. The only thing, have you had any fillings yet? No, nothing. Okay, I hate the sound. Now, so this dentist is amazing. I, I'm not gonna name drop, but they're a local. They're a local uh, group, and uh, my X-ray technician was a former student. Um, my first year of yearbook, she was one of my my yearbook kids, and she graduated that year, so that was fun. Um, especially because when she came to get me for the X-rays, she was like Mr. Birkenfield, but she didn't realize <laughs> that I was her teacher. But yes. I sounded. It well, the way she said it sounded like a student talking to me, and I was like, "That's weird." And then I was like, "Oh wait, I did teach you." <laughs> and um, funny, uh, she was great though. She was really, really good at uh, not because I the I had X-rays done when I had my surgery, and I almost threw up on the X-ray technician because I don't like having stuff in my mouth. Oh, and they put them so far back. They put them so far the back. Wings. Ooh. Which uh, wasn't as bad today because I don't have back teeth right now because my my wisdom teeth are gone and stuff, so she didn't have to go as far back. But um. Still, like, I, she was really, like, the way she did it, and, like, she she could see that I was, like, having anxiety, biting down on that thing. I don't like it. I don't like the thing in my mouth. It, like, it bugs me so much. Um, and I'm getting better, because now I, this is, like, my third or fourth time doing x-rays. Uh, the very first time, the, the woman almost had to clean up the office. Like, it was close. Like, I was not liking it at all. But, um, uh, I forgot why I was even, like, where I was going with this, but, um. Oh, you're a student. Well, yes, but the the dentist and I man, I totally blank. Oh, well, there you go. But I'm having the 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 thing. Oh, I remember now. The dentist office. They have like a menu, right? They like, can we get you any of these things? They have literally. It's like in a leather case. It looks like a wine menu at like a nice restaurant. And <laughs> oh, they yes. they open it out, and it's like 
bottled water, right? That, that makes sense. Next is Netflix because they have TVs in the rooms and they can play any movie that you want on Netflix. Um, and then uh, one of the options is noise canceling headphones. And nice. The woman uh, who like does my like payment kind of thing, like what's the breakdown of everything? Um, she was like, if you're really worried about it, they can, you can noise canceling headphones and they can play music in them. So you can just have like you'll be on not you'll be on nitrous oxide. I think is what it is, right? Laughing gas. Whatever. I think you're right. You'll be on the Joker chemicals and uh, <laughs> have noise-canceling headphones and music so you won't even hear. You'll just be, like, zoned out and chilling. And I'm just like, I, I'm now afraid that I'm just going to start rocking out. <laughs> like, So I have to, like, I don't know, maybe I'll do, like, vitamin string quartet or something more chill. Um, but, yeah, uh, so you're, that that was one of my concerns. Um, editor uh, at Berkview's, um, David, uh, had some dental work done and he is such an inspiration to me because he does stuff that I'm just like, dude, I would never do that. But like, I think he, when he had like something similar to what I had done, he was just like nothing. Just like, I think Novocaine, that was all he had. And he was just like describing the sounds to me. And I was like, dude, you're making oh. me hurt. Like, stop, stop it. Um, oh God. I yeah. had my wisdom teeth taken out so long ago and I will forever remember the sound of the, maybe it was Novocaine. I don't know when they were like putting the needle through my gum oh, it geez. sounded like when we had to like dissect a cricket in biology really? you dissected a cricket yeah yeah I, we I dissected don't... a cricket a frog and i conveniently was not there for the kitten oh see that uh we did a worm and a frog yeah we had worm too sorry yeah and we had um and then i think the next year they did pig baby pigs yeah that happens the fetal pigs or whatever yeah no thanks well there you go podcast listeners you got a little insight into our dental history and <laughs> um biology yeah uh and then um i my wife is out of town unexpectedly uh to work, working at another store um as happens with her job sometimes and uh so taylor and i ended up going um to our local mall where they're still in fy well not local mall um, slightly local mall where they're still in FYE and uh, I snagged a few movies they had a four for ten deal going on so Ooh. like for some some clearance used stuff but like I, I've never seen the Peter Jackson King Kong and it was on sale so I grabbed that uh, Born Identity which is the only one of the Borns I didn't own from the original trilogy and that bugs me I don't know if you know this about me Corey, but oh. I'm a bit of a completionist with that so like I when I realized that I only had supremacy and ultimatum I've been freaking out for like a week so I was really happy that identity was three bucks um, <laughs> and because uh, I don't know how that happened like I don't know why I wouldn't have identity because <laughs> I feel like you might have picked them up when they first came out or when they were on sale I and... definitely got them when they were on sale um, I'm pretty sure I got them at a Black Friday Walmart sale for like two bucks each then like, that's probably why I know, but I, so I had to have identity um, and then I, I grabbed Spanglish uh, I've never seen Spanglish oh, but my hey. daughter watched it in, Span uh, in Spanish class last year Oh, and she that's was cool. Yeah, and she was really like she really liked it, and I, I like Sandler, so I was like, I'll snag that. I like older Sandler. Um, and then, uh, I'm I'm lesson planning too, and I'm uh, one of the genres my film one class next year is going to study is rom coms, which is a genre that I love. And while reading the chapter from the textbook, um, and like pulling notes and getting stuff ready for lessons, uh, big my big fat Greek wedding comes up a lot because it's one of God, the highest grossing. I've never watched it in its entirety, so I bought John that. Um, Jonathan Birkenfield. What's your middle name? Uh, movies. Um, you know Jonathan movies Birkenfield. <laughs> that's not true. But... It should be. Um, <laughs> change it legally. <laughs> I I've considered many possibilities of different names, Same. but um, but I bought it tonight uh, with the intention of watching it. Um, because again, I love rom coms, and I don't know what like i think for a long time i tried to avoid admitting that i love rom-coms for several years now i've had no issue with it but you know when i was in that 20 something where i was like too I had, trying to be macho even though i never have really been truly macho in any way um i think that was like that movie felt too chick flick quote i'm using quote fingers people i don't say the phrase chick flick any longer but when i was in my 20s I'm sure that phrase left my lips far too many times. So it's one that I need to go back and check out. Plus, Tom Hanks and his wife, Rita Wilson, Wilson. is uh, they're attached to it as producers as well. So, 
Um, she has a very, um, she released an album either late last year or early this year. I follow her and, of course, oh. Tom Hanks because oh, they're yeah. just both great. But she, I think that it might be country or something, but she's still, like, touring that album. And she, like, has been opening and playing with, like, some really big people, which I just think that that's cool. Yeah. I don't know. I, I agree. Um, well, is there anything else happening that you want to mention before we move into what we've been watching? Um, no, I'm excited to get out of town always, but, um, I think you're going to love my big fat Greek wedding. Cause that was one that I was like, it didn't even look good in the trailers. I wasn't even like interested a bit. And then Bill and his dad went to see it and Bill liked it a lot. And my husband just doesn't watch a lot of movies. So yeah, yeah which comes up quite a bit, which is sad because, um, one, like, Bill and I get along very well, even though I don't get to see him much any longer since you guys moved, and, um, I don't know, maybe I should do, like, a video game podcast with him, uh, it would just be, like, the same games over and over again, but, (laughs) uh, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I totally think I'm gonna enjoy it, um, that's why, as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, I'm gonna buy this, because this seems, one, it'll end up in my, uh, my movie shelf at at the school, because we're doing rom-coms, and that'll be one, that um one of the whenever we do a genre study they we watch two films in class from the genre but then they have to do an independent study where they watch a film from a list and i do a very comprehensive list of movies in in the genre that are both like i have them available to check out from my classroom or they're on netflix who like i do an extensive search oh that's rad yeah so and they have this list to pull from so there's usually like 20 to 30 movies and they can pick they pick one they watch it on their own um, to expand their knowledge, and they have to write an analysis of why this movie is the genre based on what we learned in class. And um, you know, so it I try to do love, and it made me laugh. Correct, and I try to do one uh, older movie and then one more current movie, um, so they can see how the genre has kind of changed or altered or whatever throughout the years. I'm very excited about rom coms because I'm either going to show for the older film um, Philadelphia Story, which uh, I watched last year and is fantastic. Um, oh, I just thought of another one, but um, and then uh, or his girl Friday, which I also watched last year and loved. Um, but both are just like classics that hold up really, really well, and uh, I think you know even a young audience will click with. Um, and then I haven't decided for my modern one because like that's where I get really. I love so many of them that it's like hard for me to narrow down like which one from the modern era to pull, and then it's got to be like one of the PG thirteen. And I don't want to show one of the parody ones, even though that those like if I did, they came together with Paul Rudd and uh, Amy Poehler. They really showcase the genres, tropes, and and uh, but they're mocking them, and I don't want it to become like where that's what we're doing because we're doing it as like no, you can make very good movies within the genre. Um, you can deviate from the genre. You can have genre films that say something, um, and I feel like showing a parody maybe makes the wrong impression that like this is a a genre to be mocked and not appreciated and so i'm gonna probably refrain from showing those but it is tempting because i do think they came together is brilliant but um that said uh speaking of watching movies um have you seen anything aside from shane since the last time we recorded not a movie but i think i'm on the last episode of dead like me season one oh wow you power through that yeah i do um and (laughs) <laughs> I went to see Midsummer last night. Oh, that's a movie. Yeah. And the the I can't tell how you <laughs> felt about it. <laughs> I don't really I don't really know <laughs> what I watched. I don't really <laughs> I don't know. It was really funny. <laughs> I don't it's know. It's funny at times for sure. There's definitely humor in it. Um And we were like laughing and i just saw like there were two kids i say kids they're probably like 19 or 20 um to our left and i kind of saw them laugh because we were trying to laugh quietly and then you know you're just like louder um and then also the people to our right was like looking over at us but some of it is just so funny and sometimes i don't think that it was meaning to be funny you know have you ever seen uh, the original Wicker Man? You know, I kind of have an idea about 
what it's about and i think that i've seen like clips or something because when yeah. i saw the trailer for this i definitely it made me think of wicker man but i don't think i've ever seen the whole film or i, I hope you didn't see the nicholas cage one because it's similar uh, to the original but then it goes way way South. horrible because it, it becomes a b movie uh in, in two ways actually um and uh this i i keep making the comparison and it's it's a fairly obvious comparison it is its own movie it's not the same but i think the in terms of how it's going for horror i think it is very similar um because to me like the movie's unsettling and uh there is some imagery that w will stick in my brain forever like i just thought it was it so horrifying or so gory disturbing as hereditary no and but it's and it's not I don't think it's, it's trying meaning to be. to be yeah um and that's one of the things i like about astor right away as a director is that he made uh one movie that feels when i think of hereditary i think of dark like that movie it, there's so yeah. many moments where it's so dark like and i'm talking lighting here too like literal darkness and midsummer is like the total opposite where it's it's almost i don't think it's almost any darkness in the film um and when there finally is darkness there's still these very you know th the characters are lit so much that they are almost overexposed uh like i don't want to say what's happening in that scene that i'm trying to describe but um it's very dark in the room they're in but they are very bright and well lit um almost like their skin is reflecting the light and uh i don't know i i think there's a lot of disturbing ideas in it um i think some of the again there's some images that i'll just never get out of my head much like hereditary there's there's a scene in Hereditary that I will never be able to forget. Um, and that's, I, I think that's really his visuals and his, his I think that storytelling is really compelling. He does very interesting things. And you know that somehow I had forgotten. I've only seen Hereditary one time and I saw it in the theaters in theater. And I had forgotten until the music started in this movie. It like took me back to Hereditary like right away. And I was like, I don't know who, I haven't like dove into it or his anything. Score. Yeah, but whoever does his scores, and I'm pretty sure it's the same person because it sounds very familiar, sounds, you know, from seeing that one time. But mm -hmm. it's very unsettling. And some of, I guess, the camera angles or the way that he chooses to yeah. shoot some of the scenes, like, very unsettling. So well, I think he does interesting things. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, camera choices in the movie is when they're driving into the Swedish yes. town and the camera just flips completely and you're like driving upside down. I got yeah. motion sick, I think. It's so cool. A little and bit. It's, it's such an obvious, like, you're no longer in the real world type of visual, but I think it works really well mm -hmm. with the kind of tone he's going for because it is. There are some very comedic, funny moments in the film, and I thought the performances were really, really strong. Um, Florence Pugh, who is the lead in Midsummer, is uh, she's also in Fighting with My Family, the wrestling film that came out earlier this year. That's uh, start like The Rock is in it, but it really it stars her, uh, and it's, it's a biopic about a WWE wrestling superstar named Paige, um, and her like like life story. Nick Frost is in it. It's directed by Stephen Merchant. Um, it's I love the movie I think it's super underrated and she is becoming an actress that I think we all need to be very aware of because she's fantastic in Midsummer. and you know Corey you know how judgmental I am about crying um, and oh yeah she goes big in a few scenes where I almost feel like it's too big but I think it's what the the movie calls for and I think she nails it and I really I really liked her in Midsummer a whole lot and I am a fan of Jack Rayner I don't know if you caught that her boyfriend is the older brother in Sing Street um, no, I yeah. did not. Yeah, and I, I'm a big Jack Rayner advocate. He has got to be cast correctly. I've seen him, you know, not do so well in a few films. But, like, in Free Fire, I really enjoyed him. I loved him in Midsummer, and I loved him very much. Uh, my favorite performance of his is by far Brendan in uh, Sing Street. But, um, yeah, I'm glad you saw it, though. Uh, I'm, I haven't talked to our mutual friend Brendan about his take on it. Um, although he did send me a very funny video, uh, me and Big Tuna, a very funny video on Twitter this morning that was disturbing because I can't quite tell what's happening. But it was like the video was like mocking Midsummer a little bit, like the not mocking the movie per se, but like some of the the rituals in the movie because it is like kind of there's some odd things that the the festival has, you know, um, I don't know if he sent it to you or not, but I feel like you would know what I was talking about if he had. So. <laughs> I didn't, so I okay. feel like you should send that to me. Oh, I, I will. Um, okay. 
It's it's very weird though. I'm gonna warn you. It's I... like I watch these movies and then I'm like, I'm never going to these places. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god, what was that movie? Oh, Cheese you know, and rice. Oh, go ahead. What this movie also reminded me of though was last year's The Endless. Um. Oh, I couldn't get through that movie. What? John throws rocks at me. I don't understand you sometimes. Um, I know. Uh, this has been a, a constant. I never, I can never nail down what you're gonna like and what you're not gonna like. Um, <laughs> I really can't either. I've wasted so much of my time. Like, oh my god, this is gonna be the well, best thing ever. I've seen three movies since we last recorded. Uh, two of them. Um, I think I've mentioned on the podcast that I am currently uh, obs- obsessed with the Blank Check podcast, and because of that. I am watching the Michael Mann uh, filmography because that's what who they're currently doing their uh, blank check minisodes on or their um, sorry mini series. But I'm also going through a lot of the back episodes uh, because I, I really like watching films by one director and kind of seeing the patterns in their career and whatnot. And uh, currently I'm on Catherine Bigelow, who I've only seen uh, two of her films I, beforehand. I've seen Point Break, uh, the original with Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. And I've seen her most recent film, Detroit, from, I think, last, either last summer or the year before. And um, I've skipped her two big Oscar films, which were The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. Um, And then I've seen almost nothing else of hers. And unfortunately, several of her films are impossible to get legally right now uh, without either buying it on eBay and risking it not being a region copy you can actually use, um, like Near Dark, uh, her second film. all the sales are from South Korea, so I don't know if they're bootlegs. I don't know if they're going to work here in the States. Um, and then uh, you looked up Strange Days on eBay for me, Corey, and you saw it looked like there might be a couple. Um, I One of the reasons I went to FYE was I was hoping they might by chance have like a used copy. Uh, they did mm-hmm. not um, of either movie. Uh, but some of her other films I've managed to see online are um, like The Loveless, uh, which is Willem Dafoe's, I think, second film or first film. Um, oh, I didn't realize that was... I know. Cause you... I posted it on oh. Instagram, yeah. Uh, it's from 1981. It's Bigelow's first film, and it's, she's actually got a co-directing credit with Monty Montgomery. Um, and it was like, I think it was a student film. Uh, what's really interesting is that it's set in Florida because this it's a group of bikers, but they're on their way to Daytona, and they get like sidetracked in the small town in Florida. And um, they mentioned Orlando and stuff, so I thought it was really kind of like cool, you know, being from here. Uh, yeah. But Defoe is—it's really interesting. It's not—it's not really plot driven. It's more of like a mood piece. Uh, Very—I I would say I enjoyed it. I love Willem Defoe though, and seeing him like so young was crazy, uh, especially because you know, like he's played characters that are supposed to have like this sexy like charisma about them, and I've never been able to get past like his scary kind of Green Goblin persona. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so seeing him here where his face is very young and it's a lot less craggly, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I can see it now. Uh, a little less craggly. But so I watched that on Saturday and I went to watch, I wanted to watch Near Dark because uh, Mike had talked about Near Dark in the past because um, I think Bill Pullman is in it or Bill Paxton. Paxton. Oh. Bill Paxton's in it. What? And it's like a Western vampire movie, right? Like it's a Western, oh, yeah. but with vampires. And uh, I really and it's funny because the, they did a re-release a couple of years ago on Blu-ray, and they redid the cover to look more like Twilight, and that's really lame and it's disgusting. Uh, but the original cover is really cool because it's like this crispy-looking vampire is like completely like almost black because he's been burned, and there's holes in him because he's been shot. So you can see like the light coming through the bullet holes, which I think is Bill Pullman. Paxton, dang it! I don't know why I keep doing that. Um, and so that's like a really cool image, and they've replaced it with this like Twilight-esque, you know. There's the face of it the sexy is. vampire. Oh my god. So, really, really want to watch this movie, and the only way I can do it is illegally, and I don't do that. Um, so, I'm just hoping that maybe Criterion will grab it. Apparently, it's in like uh, film purgatory because the distribution company that made it is gone, and so no one currently has the rights, but then there's some, I don't know, there's something, something like that is stopping it from being released. And, um,. It's not on any digital service. Like, you can't rent it on iTunes or Amazon or Vudu or anything. Uh, it shows up, but it says not available at this time, and you just stuck. Um, but so then I went to Catherine Bigelow's third film, which is really cool. Um, I had to do a trial of Tribeca shortlist in order to watch the movie uh, for free. Um, 
Blue Steel is the name of the film. It's from 1990. Stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Ron Silver, Clancy Brown, um, Elizabeth Pena, kind of. I really like this movie a lot. It's weird. The second half especially gets weird. And um, I'm watching it. And I'm like, this, it's a, she's a, Jamie Lee Curtis is the lead. Uh, she's a female rookie cop. She's like on the first year on the force. And you watch her actually graduate to being a cop. And so you see uh, things go wrong real fast. And at some point, this becomes essentially a slasher film. And it's really interesting how it's a slasher film. Um, I was really... It's such a unique piece of work. And you really get a sense of kind of what Catherine Bigelow is going for. Um, and then I was going to watch uh, The Weight of Water, which is her fifth film, I think. Fifth or sixth. Um, again, I've already seen Point Break. And then it's Strange Days. And then it's uh, The Weight of Water. Um, and The Weight of Water, I was going to watch it last night, and it felt a little too heavy. I wasn't really in the mood for something heavy. And I've also, like, reading some of the critic stuff. I don't – it might be one I skip. Um, oh. Yeah, it's just – it seems like it's not going to be something I'm going to really vibe with. But uh, on our last episode of Top 5 Movies, Mike mentioned a film that I've been wanting to watch for a while and haven't uh, and finally did last night, starring Donald Glover uh, and oh, yeah. co-written with – uh, DC Pearson, Donald Glover, Dominique Dirks, um, directed by Dan Ekman, uh, also co-stars Aubrey Plaza, um, and uh, uh, Ellie Kemper's in it, but she's she's barely in it. Um, it's from 2009, called Mystery Team. Um, I don't remember. Uh, I'm pretty sure Douglas Movies was the first place that I heard about this, if I'm not mistaken. And I bought it years ago. I found it at like Dollar General for like four bucks or something, and I I've been meaning to watch it. And uh, I finally, like last night, I was like, you know what? I'm in the mood for a comedy. It's only 97 minutes. Corey, Mystery Team is so freaking funny. Um, it is, there is a scene, a sequence that is very, very raunchy. Like, it's super raunchy. And I will say it elicits a Danny Boyle-esque uh, toilet. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, but it's still really funny. And the, the best part is that the three main characters um, that are the quote-unquote mystery team that is like an Encyclopedia Brown and or uh, Nancy Drew. I don't know about you, but I loved the Encyclopedia Brown books growing up. Those were like some of my favorite books. Um, I used to read them, and even my grandma would like read them when I was like seven, eight. She would read them to me before I'd go to bed, and then I read them. Um, I loved them. And so like this type of detective, like this kid detective. So imagine like you're a seven-year-old. You have a detective agency, quote-unquote, you solve like little petty crimes in your neighborhood and you're so good at it and you're praised for it and everyone thinks you're the best that you never let that go and suddenly you're 18 and you still have a detective agency that no one else thinks is serious um and there it's this like kind of state of like arrested development where they've never done anything outside of this persona and uh they're chasing that success and then a real case like a real life like murder case falls into their laps and they're determined to solve it despite having no experience or anything it's it's very very funny um they're very childlike but everyone else around them is normal so it's like this weird juxtaposition where like they're in like a pg movie but everyone else is in an r film and it's it's so entertaining um glover is fantastic so are the two co-leads and co-writers um uh dominique dierks and dc pearson um, interestingly enough, Dominique Dierks' character's name is Charlie Day, which I, f I was, like, so thrown for a second, because I'm like, wait, where was Charlie Day in this movie? I'm like, oh, wait, no, that's the character name. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Charlie Day, but he's, like, on Always Sunny. Uh, yeah, that name sounds super familiar, yeah, uh, but I've not really watched that show. Uh, he's on Horrible Bosses and stuff. He, he's, he's in things. He's in Pacific Rim. Um, but, yeah, uh, if you get a chance to watch Mystery Team, highly recommend um mike recommended it the other day and i am seconding and that recommendation how did you watch it um i actually ended up streaming it because oh. it's, i think it's on tribeca, tribeca shortlist uh right. but um i do own it so i could have watched it on dvd but since i was i was like flipping through because uh the weight of water is also on tribeca shortlist which is why i signed up for the trial because i'm like well here's blue steel and that one i can knock out two of bigelow's films in the seven day trial um and then uh, last night, like I said, I was just like, it was two hours. I, I wasn't really feeling the thing. And I got Sean Penn is hit or miss for me. Um, and he's, I think, the lead in The Weight of Water. Um, and 
uh, I just I just was like not feeling it last night. So I, I may still I have like five days left on Tribeca, so I might still try to to watch it. But um, I am considering just skipping it. Uh, but I am definitely watching the Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty, which are her two big uh, films, and where I believe, if I'm not mistaken, she became the first female director and so far the only female director to win an Oscar uh, for Best Director. Um, all right. With that, the other movie I watched, I think you watched as well. Ready to get into our movie of the week? Yeah. So Shane from 1953, uh, the IMDb plot summary says, A weary gunfighter attempts to settle down with a homestead family, but a smoldering settler-rancher conflict forces him to act. Has an 80 on Metacritic. Um, stars Alan Ladd, Gene Arthur, Van Heflin, uh, Brandon DeWilde, Jack Palance, who, when I realized who that was, I was very excited. Um, ben Johnson. I think that's the ones we really need to get into. Let me see. Uh, one more. Elisha Cook Jr., because he is significant in the... Oh, that's creepy. Um, directed by George Stevens. Uh, written by A.B. Guthrie Jr., Jack Share, and others. Um, an important thing to note is a movie that I love, and I think, Corey, you were a big fan of as well, Logan. I love Logan. Logan was heavily inspired by Shane. In fact, some of the, there's uh, a sequence in Logan that I can basically is clearly recreating a major element of Shane. Um, but also the film Shane is shown in Logan. Uh, it's on the background when I think Xavier's in the hotel room. He's watching Shane um, and the end of it at, at that. And uh, so that put this western in my radar and then obviously if you do some research it's highly regarded it's critically acclaimed um and the reason i basically ended up picking this uh there are some big name actors in this film um who've done some things i mentioned jack palance if you ever saw city slickers he's curly in the city slickers film and then in the sequel city slickers uh two search for uh curly's gold i believe is what it's called or legend of curly's gold something like that um, he is Curly, uh, the titular character there. Um, he's also in the 1989 Batman movie as Grissom. So, you know, some connections for me. Uh, and he is uh, Jack Wilson, the gunslinger that shows up uh, at the halfway point in the movie. Um, Alan Ladd has some good credits as well, but uh, this is his biggest film. And um, Gene Arthur, who plays Marion, the uh, wife of the homesteader, is in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which um, we watched for this podcast, right? I'm pretty sure yeah i'm fairly confident um and she's in a lot of other stuff but that's where like the big movie i know her from um because i love mr smith goes to washington so um before we get into spoilers Corey and i like to just kind of give an overall what we thought of this film and then we will get into spoilers uh cory you want to go first what did you think of shane uh i liked it I don't think that it'll go down as one of my favorite movies ever, but, you know, that's all I got. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I am on a very different spectrum. I love this movie. Um, I was kind of blown away by this film. Uh, immediately wanted to rewatch Logan while I was watching this. And I also, uh, I am definitely going to be playing Red Dead Redemption 2 again this week because of this movie. Um, probably because of this month, because... Uh, when Red Dead Redemption, the first one, came out and I got into it, I got hooked on westerns, which I had uh, not ever really been into. And um, I definitely think it opened up my eyes to a genre of film that I kind of had always written off as not my style. And in fact, still, when I go into an older western, I am almost always apprehensive that it's just not going to click for me. And very rarely has that happened. Um, this one immediately pulled me in. I was hooked... Uh, very hard like I went to the gym this morning I got I took a shower and then immediately started the movie because I, I was trying to fit it in before I went to the dentist and it was like gonna be real tight like it was it's a one hour 58 minute movie and I started it like one hour and five minutes and luckily for credits I, I it ended and then I left to go to the dentist um, and I was in like every step of the way I love so much of the, the filmmaking of this movie um, I actually was really impressed with the kid. Uh, um, I didn't name drop him, but Joey is the character name, and the actor that played him is Brandon DeWild. And he's a little obnoxious, 
but I also thought he was really, really good. And he does. There's some really key moments where his acting sells uh, some some of the scenes. Um, but Alan Ladd and his chemistry, I thought, was super strong. And Shane as a character is really, really interesting. Um, in fact, there's a lot from this movie that I think you will see other films have pulled from. And I feel like this movie isn't talked about on the level of some of the other westerns. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I was not made aware of this until Logan. And that's not to say that other people haven't referenced it or talked about it, but it, that was what made me even know this movie was a thing. And um, I think that's a shame because I think this movie is fantastic. I, I really think there's a lot to latch on to. I think its portrayal of men in this film is really, really strong because they're not depicted as emotionless um you know overly bravado type guys they like they're uh, the joe who is the the settler that shane meets who's played by van heflin um is like uh, he's very in touch with his emotions he's comfortable telling his wife that he loves her uh he doesn't like the wife at, at a couple of points like kind of insists that he not do something and he doesn't like slap her and tell her to know her place woman or anything like it's not this archaic look at men that i think you would see in a lot of westerns where they have to be overly macho in fact it's almost a deconstruction of the genre as shane is the example of what the west used to be and joe is kind of the what the west is becoming that we're we're becoming more enlightened we're starting to settle down we're no longer um, outlaws are no longer there which is something i think uh, red dead redemption 2 also tackles at the time in that game is that it's the outlaws are becoming a way of the past and law is becoming the norm this movie is kind of tackling with that same issue and i i just found it very very compelling as a result and like the arc that shane goes through over the course of the film is um kind of exemplifying that because he's like hey look maybe i can be like these guys and then the lesson that he learns through the course of the film is like maybe not maybe i'm i can't change but i can change the world we live in and i'll do what i can in order to make that um truth a reality and i i i clicked with so much of it and uh, i did find a few things to be kind of funny um did you catch which state this movie is set in um no but when i i did a very light reading afterwards i did and i not what I would have thought. But Did you find Alabama? No, Wyoming. What? Now, see, a character uh, specifically, Stonewall, says Alabama. Um, that, <clears throat> and so that's what I. He, he when he's drinking in the bar, he like toasts uh, the Riker, and he says, um, "The great state of Alabama." Unless I misheard. Oh, see, I thought that they. They, because there are a couple of parts in the movie where, where kind of, um, I, and it also said it was after the Civil War. I'm very bad with dates in history, guys. I'm super bad at it. Um, but there are a couple different times that they, like, insult each other, and I just took that as them, like, bring, you know, like, yeah. you Yankee. That, that might be, maybe he's from alabama that's what i yeah that's what i was thinking because I, I couldn't figure out how a movie could be called a western and be set in alabama because that's such and a also, weird thing i mean i lived in alabama for a short time but they don't really have mountains right valid point i know um, georgia does yeah but and I definitely not those i i those mountains are pretty big like i didn't think it was actually filmed in alabama but i did think based on his statement but now i'm thinking it was maybe where he was from um, cause here, yeah, someone mentions that he says it, but. But I never picked up on them ever saying where they were located. No, they didn't outside of that line. That's why I thought it was Alabama. Um, but, uh, they, it is weird because they do make an antagonist a Yankee and like <laughs> yeah. the rebels are like thought of, or at least that one guy is a rebel, but, um, multiple people like derogatorily say Yankee and I'm just like, wow, that's that's weird to have like the the union soldiers as the bad guys um that was one of the only things that i that didn't sit real well with me um but uh yeah overall i I really really enjoyed this movie um it was one i was a little worried i wasn't sure if it was going to click for me or not and it definitely did uh which is always nice when you're when you're not sure and again i think i i have gotten to this point where i um i tend to uh 
to like westerns, but I still am always just afraid that a little apprehensive. Yeah, and this one uh, clicked. I'm still like cause we're doing um, the Searchers, which is uh, an iconic western. Stars an iconic star of the western genre, John Wayne, and I'm I'm very apprehensive. I don't know if I'm gonna like a John Wayne movie, and maybe I'll end up loving it and wanting to watch others, or maybe I'll be right and be like, no, no, he doesn't click for me like I I thought. But um, obviously, I'm gonna give it a chance, but I am concerned uh, about that one, man. This film site has a lot about Shane. I'm gonna have to go through this. Um, all right. Uh, sounds like you don't have much else to add non-spoiler, so why don't we go ahead and get into spoilers. Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about Shane from 1953 in great detail. You've been warned. Okay, so I took notes as I usually do. Um, uh, I really go ahead. didn't. <laughs> but I, you know, I have a problem when I'm supposed... I never do what I'm supposed to be doing. I should be getting ready for a trip and, you know, like, getting my house in order and all this stuff. But, you know, instead I'm doing everything else but that. So I had to cut this movie up into multiple pieces. And I was very impressed when I went on my lunch today and I almost finished it. And you had already watched the whole movie. But probably my favorite thing in the whole movie is when Shane walks into the saloon. And he's like, I've heard that you're a low-down Yankee liar. Oh, yep. <laughs> I was like, yes. Yeah, I typed that in, low-down Yankee liar. It's right there in my notes. <laughs> so, people, you better not cross me, because that's probably what's going to be how I, you know, insult you. So It was the best thing. I think, um, okay, so uh, in Logan, there is a, a time when... I guess I shouldn't spoil Logan, but go they, ahead. They tell en- me they before en- you warn them. They end up well, but Logan's not the movie we warn them. <laughs> Guys, but, we're gonna talk about Logan a little bit. <laughs> uh, they end up at a house of like a, a father, um, a husband, and wife, and, oh, a, and a kid, yes. and that is him settling. And like he even chops a tree. Like he helps do like general labor, or maybe he's building a fence. It's been a while since I've seen Logan, but um, it's very much like a microcosm of shane in that moment in that sequence um because he helps the guy out because there's like they're trying to get him off his land like it is literally a recreation of the plot of shane Damn. um and uh realizing that while i was watching because like even some of the visuals like that um james mangold uses in logan are clearly pulling the exact framing of of shane which when i see stuff like that i'm just like oh my god it's so cool um because I love movies, and I love m- filmmakers who express their love of movies as well. Like it's one of the reasons why Tarantino works for me, why Edgar Wright I think works for me so much because he loves doing these kind of genre exercises and playing with films. I mean, Hot Fuzz he literally shows scenes of the movies that he's talking about because Danny, uh, uh, Nick Frost character shows uh, Bad Boys Two and Point Break to um, Sean. Uh, not Sean, sorry, um, Nick Angel's character. Nick Angel is the character, Simon Pegg the actor. And then those scenes that he shows him in the movie that we see from the actual movies are recreated in Wright's movie later, like when Danny shoots into the sky because he can't shoot his father in the back. Like, I love stuff like that. And seeing that in Shane today just made me appreciate Logan all the more. Um, It also made me appreciate Shane to another degree because I saw how this movie, like you know has inspired another filmmaker and it just it clicked for me a lot um in that last sequence uh let's jump right to the end shane gets uh shot at the end um by the 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 guy who was hiding with the the repeater in the in the loft part of the bar um despite joey warning him one i thought joey was gonna die like because he like followed him to the gunfight um so i thought the kid wasn't gonna make it i was happy to say that's not the case um, but do you think Shane lives? Because uh, he rides off into the darkness, which I thought was interesting because traditionally they ride off into the sunset. Um, and here it's it's pitch black and he's like just riding off into it. Um, and I'm wondering if that means is he riding, is he literally riding into darkness? Is he going to die? Because he's been shot. And rather than like seeking medical attention, he's just going off into the, the desert. Yeah. I get the feeling that that probably wasn't the first or the only time that he's been shot because i mean i don't know i'm i know that some things are more lethal than others but i didn't really get the feeling that that was a lethal shot 
Well, I'm not, granted, the shot yeah. itself may not be, but if you don't get it treated, it's going to get yeah. infected. And, uh, especially that time. You know that guy didn't clean his like hands before he put the bullet in the gun. Like, I bet he did. No, I'm uh, kidding. I mean, I he's, he's... Again, it's a fictional film. I'm just... I ponder... It's like, still interesting because I didn't think about that. that... Yeah. Because, uh, well, in... Lo- Spoilers for Logan. Um, Wolverine dies at the end of Logan. And so I don't know if that was Mangold kind of saying that's what he thinks happens to Shane. Like, Shane but, leaves knowing it's it, it's he's done for, you know. But in... I've only seen Logan one time. When they're at that house and he's doing those things, that doesn't work out no, it well does not for the family. Work. It's way worse in, in Logan than it is in... Uh, but I, again... Uh, Logan and Shane have a lot in common because both are um, trying to run away from their past. Uh, the re- realization that trying once you once you kill, it never you leaves you. Back. You can't you can't go back. You are a murderer, and that's a there's a character in the film. I don't remember. I didn't catch which character name, but um, at like the uh, anniversary party that they're having, um, he says something along the lines. I, I haven't typed. I'm just trying to find it. Um, gunslinger is just a a fancier name for murderer or something like that and it's like that's an important thematic statement here is that like slinging a gun is like a fancy name for someone who murders people for a living essentially well even marion's view on that like the whole family is very welcoming to shane and they really like him but she the gun yeah, she doesn't like it, and she doesn't want them to go into this, you know, go into a gunfight, and she doesn't want any of them to, you know, murder anybody or hurt anyone, and she doesn't want that to be what their home is like, which I also didn't think about was kind of the past, mm-hmm. you know, that separation, you know. The time where law was not a thing in the West versus when it starts to become, you know, met like federal law is becoming more stable and people are starting to transition which again red dead redemption 2 is dealing with that that's the moral complexity of your main character in red dead redemption 2 is um is is our lifestyle still viable anymore can we still be outlaws can we still uh be criminals in a world that is becoming more civilized and uh shane is tackling that because shane is the past um and that's kind of because the movie doesn't start with shane the movie starts with joe joey and marion on their their homestead and shane approaches them he comes into their world and immediately i mean when the kid cocks the the repeater um and shane reaches for his gun like so instinctively it's so fast i mean and the best part of that is because we later find out that the kid doesn't have bullets in that gun so (laughs) there was never a concern um at all but uh, doesn't know that, and I feel like just the sound, you know. Yeah, that's know. what triggers it. He doesn't think it's a kid yeah. doing it. He's clearly used to watching his back, and he's a he's a quick draw. Um, luckily, he's not a, a itchy trigger finger because that kid would have been dead. Um, but you know, and then that's when right following him, the Rikers show up and and basically say we're taking back all of our land, and like there's a bunch of people who've settled there. And, like that's not how that works. You can't just force us off our land, which. Riker thinks, yes, we can. We can do whatever the hell we want. Um, which I don't know a lot about the Homestead Act. Um, Homestead Act and how, like, that, like, you know, how people were able to... Well, oh. like, really prove their claims. and Well, uh, it, yeah. from what I understand, I would say that this movie represents it fairly well. Like, yes, legally, they probably had the rights to do what they were doing. Like, as far as, like, the, the Homesteaders... But there was nobody to enforce it. Yeah, because, well, during the the first bar fight, which I thought was pretty freaking epic. um, He's uh, a badass. Shane is awesome. He does have that, like, quiet, stoic, you know, uh, he's very, go ahead. Well, I I mean, just, you're you're completely right. Uh, That first time he goes to the, the bar to get the clothes, like the farm clothes, and he's kind of, like, literally changing his persona. Like, he comes in wearing this, like, you know, sand colored, you know, looks very Leathered, yeah, traditional cowboy type outfit. And now he's just getting like ranch hand outfit and he's made fun of um, by the guy at the bar. But because the Rikers have encouraged people to harass the homesteaders and he, he was told not to do anything. So he doesn't fight. But then later when they go back to the bar, uh, Chris 
who was the the cowboy who talked crap, tries to start something, and Shane is no no way, and they fight, and that fight is so epic, um, like it's I mean it's large scale and it's very long. It's a long fight, um, and when Shane goes to take on like all of them, and then uh, one of the guys says though there's no marshal for like a hundred miles or something like that. Yeah, I think that they said like three days or something like that. Yeah, at so one point. impractical for like hey we're in trouble. It's like well good yeah, luck. You go right ahead. Yeah. So the marshal might come and arrest somebody eventually, but most likely there will be no evidence. There will be no, you know, it'll be one person's word against another. And Riker has and a lot of the town on his side. Even who would, yeah, who would say anything against him? I like immediately was pissed off at that character because, I mean, I don't know. It was just like the little things that they did to introduce him that really showed that he was a jerk. I just as soon as like his horse rode through their like food garden yeah 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 like the clearly the garden bags yeah yeah i don't know i thought yeah no they do and and yet they also try to make him seem like he he thinks he's reasonable like i don't feel like we're supposed to think he's reasonable but he believes it like when he because he offers uh joe something and he offers shane a job we're supposed to think that he believes what he's doing is okay because he's yeah. doing these things um and he doesn't do any of the actual violence like as he hires other people to do it um but you know he is he feels entitled and he's gonna take what he believes is his um very oh. dislikable uh and despicable um i it, during that fight though the uh, joey is eating a like peppermint stick <laughs> and there's this really great oh. match cut where like the last punch shane hits chris with as the punch connects, it cuts to uh, Joey eating the peppermint stick and, like, taking a big snapping bite. So the snap oh. of the peppermint stick is the snap of the punch, and I love that. I was like, that's so cool. Um, I just thought that scene was, like, really, really cool. And, again, when uh, Joey finally convinces Shane to teach him how to shoot, and he asks Shane to shoot the white rock, uh, and Shane, like, draws and starts shooting, it cuts to this uh, close-up where the kid is looking directly at the camera. And his eyes are, like, wide with, like, sh- both shock and, like, uh, he lionizes Shane, like, right away. Like, Shane becomes this iconic cowboy hero figure for him the second he meets Shane. And that's something the kid is, like, you know, reconciling with. Even the there's that moment where Shane overhears Joey telling his mom that he loves Shane almost as much as he loves Pa. And he asks, is that okay? Like, is it all right that I love another person as much, like almost as much as dad and shane can't handle that because he's never had that before um it man it's so interesting uh the relationship the dynamics that shane has with that family because joe clearly loves him too like you know he he, shane kind of comes to their rescue in a lot of ways he becomes the the helping hand that they needed to to run the farm um he becomes that fighter for him that he needed and uh, while Joe does a lot of the the big like rallying of the troops sort of thing, um, I I feel like Shane is the spark that inspired the fire. Mm-hmm. And then when Joe's like ready to go uh, to fight, he basically tells uh, Marion that even if I'm killed, I know that you have Shane essentially. And like, yeah, that you'll be taken care of. Yeah, and it's like, whoa, dude! Like, are you telling your wife to like hook up with your <laughs> your ranch hand? Like. Um, and he kind of hints that, like, I've seen the two of you together, and not, not in, like, a neg. he's not, like, Shane would never do anything with you because you're with me. Or his wife. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, Shane would never, like, or Mary, I see what you're saying, sorry, Marion would not cheat on Joe either, but I see that there's a connection there, that there's, there's something between the two of you, and if something happens to me, you'll be taken care of, and, um... Like the that whole dynamic, I just found so compelling and so interesting. And the kid again, just how he he sees Shane, immediately looks up to Shane. Um, and then when at the end of the movie, when Shane has to tell Joey, like, "Look, dude, I can't be normal. Like, I can't be a good person because I'm a killer. And once you do that, you just can't go back." like it's such a touching moment and the kid's got really good tears in his eyes i don't know if they're like actual I tears. Knew. i knew 
I mean, come on. It's it's not I... easy to cry. And he's a little kid. Like, he's, what, eight, nine? Yeah, I was thinking, like, seven, eight. Yeah, so, I mean... He was a little much and a little loud, and so was Marion a little bit. Their characters were a little melodramatic. Oh, yeah, but I think that's part of the time period. Like, we're talking 53. Yeah. Um, you know, talkies have only been, you know, 23 years, so the style of acting is still a little on the the melodrama. Um, and I think, to a degree, this film has a little bit of the melodrama. It's a Western for sure, but I think it, it especially with that love relationship, because there is an implied love triangle, uh, it, especially at the anniversary when Shane dances with her, and uh, Joe is like on the other side of the fence, and he even makes a joke. He's like, "He's fenced me out." That's a joke, but it's also kind of what's actually happening. Is Shane is in uh, inadvertently kind of wooing Marion, um, because you know, I, I think it plays on the trope of the the bad boy. Because Shane is this kind of mysterious figure who shows up out of nowhere. He, uh, while Joe is a strong leader type. It seemed like he wasn't before Shane showed up. It was almost like he needed Shane to become that person. Um, and everyone seems to like him. And, like, you know, that's, that's even Riker seems to respect Joe more than anyone else there. Like, everyone else he knows he can get to run off. But Joe won't. And I think that Riker respects him enough, which is why he hires Wilson. Uh, because he knows that, like, I'm not going to be able to convince Joe. So if Joe won't leave... I'm going to have to kill him, but I can't kill him, so I'll have someone else do it. And I don't know, I just, I really, I took to, like, almost everything in this film. I was, I was, I had to pee really <laughs> bad, but I also knew I, I didn't have any room to pause it because I was on a tight time schedule and I didn't want to stop and start over because I was also concerned, like, what if my dentist appointment went really long and it did go a little longer than I planned. And then my daughter wanted to go to, she wanted to get out of the house once we were done with the dentist thing. So we ended up going to that, the mall, like I said. So if I didn't finish it when I did it, it would have been really tight to finish it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't like doing that anyways. I like to watch a movie in its entire runtime, uh, more often than not. And so I was like, but not, I, I'll still pause it normally if I have to pee, but I was like, one, I knew I couldn't really for the time, but two, I didn't want to stop the movie because I was like, oh my god, what's what's going to happen next? Like, I thought the pacing was really strong. I thought the storytelling and the way the plot moves I thought was just super compelling. Um, yeah, it definitely, I, I can tell it didn't click as strong for you, but it clicked really, really hard for me. Um, and I would definitely say I love this movie. Um, uh, I... Oh, I just did, like I said, some very light reading, and I read on uh, Wikipedia that apparently this was Gene Arthur's only color film. Hmm. Um, and then also, there is just, and, and I know that this movie won all kinds of awards, and or no, it's like well known for its cinematography and stuff like that, but, and I don't know if it's just that I love those broad sweeping you know, looks at the mountains, but it had, it was just beautiful. And oh, yeah. even like when I, I had to stop at like kind of close to the end because it was really bright in my house. And that part where um, it's at night and mm -hmm. Shane is riding into town. It's very dark. Yeah. the um, I, I have a note that uh, basically says the, um, in, the nighttime photography is really, really dark. It's really hard to make out any details in the nighttime, which it's because it's on film stock and film stock required a lot of light and they're using natural lighting to light those scenes. Um, mm -hmm. And so you just get these very, very dark uh, sequences, or at least it looks like they're using natural lighting because, again, it's so dark. It is, like, really hard. I had to switch where I was sitting on the couch because there was a glare uh, from the window on w where I was initially sitting and the nighttime, I couldn't see anything in, on the TV because the glare was taking over. So like, I had to move to the other side of the couch where the glare was less severe. And I'm like, good Lord. Um, but it did win for best cinematography actually. So for, uh, oh, okay. I couldn't remember if it actually won or, um, yeah, I have blackout curtains in my dining room because the sun hits that part of our house. Um, you know, in the afternoon and it's really freaking bright and i had to close those and close all my blinds and stuff because but still when i did all that i what i could see you know okay I, so looking at the oscar nominations because they were nominated for a couple other things it only won best cinematography 
Uh, but interestingly, in 1954, they had two categories. They had a color category for cinematography because black and white oh. was still the norm. So it won for color. Um, I didn't know that. Um, it was nominated for Best Picture, nominated for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Do you have an idea of who the supporting role was? Um, Joe. Uh, well, no. Well, Van Heflin? Well, because, I mean, um, hold on. I'm going to go Joe with... would have been... Uh, Van, I, I would have assumed Van Heflin when you said Joe, but no, he's not nominated for Best Support. In fact, let me point it's out... It's Riker, isn't it? There's two Best Actor in a Supporting Role nominations for this movie, which is not common for the same movie to get two Supporting Actor nominations. Um, you get Jack Palance, who is Wilson, um, which is a... I mean, he's great, but it's a little surprising because it is a very... Uh, he doesn't do a whole lot in the movie, but what he does is, is important. That scene where he eggs Stonewall on is really good. Um, and the last conversation with him and uh, Shane is very, very good. But the one that I'm very excited about is young old Brandon oh. D. Wild. Joey is nominated for Best Supporting Actor, um, which is, again, very rare for a kid to be nominated. So awesome there. Uh, best Director nomination for George Stevens and 11. Best Screenplay. Um, for uh, he was eleven. Yeah, I don't think the character is eleven, but maybe no. But, um, and best for uh, screenplay, best writing. Oh uh, my gosh, he was only thirty years old when he died. The kid. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah! Wow. I wonder what happened. I hope it wasn't drugs. Damn child actors always end up on drugs. <sighs> not all of them, obviously, but more often than not, you hear these negative stories. I know, and then I don't watch the Disney Channel, but that, um, and I'm going to forget his name, but that 20-year-old kid that just passed away, like, oh, three you're days kid ago, from the Bryce? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or voice or something like that. Um, I was really sad, even though I don't know anything about him, but, um, you know, at least that wasn't drugs, but it is very sad. Oh, it was a motor vehicle crash. Yeah. No, the, that kid? Oh, no. Oh, for it, Brandon DeWild, Joey. Got it, got it, sorry. Got it. Um, that's tragic, too, though. I'm glad it wasn't drugs, but. Man. Yeah. Dang. Because um, I, I do think he's really good in this movie. He actually reminds me of a student I had in my, like, first or second year teaching. Um, although I, I taught middle school when I first started, but he's. So he would have been a little older, but he looks a lot like this kid I taught um, in this movie. So I think that might be why i was like immediately kind of like oh i get this kid um yeah i i really liked it a whole lot is there anything else specific you want to talk about um or do you want to give our ratings for it mm, nah i'm good i mean i enjoyed it more than i was expecting but so i'm i'm gonna i'm going with must see if that's not uh fairly obvious based on my raving of how much i love this movie um I again and very pleased because I I did not know that it would uh, click for me in that way and it totally did so I was very 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 pleased with that. Um, where would you put it? Um, I'm always I want to like go between two. I mean, you can just say that like it's okay. Yeah, but I it's like there are always things from each category that I agree with, you know. I'm going to go with the decent watch. Okay. And again, um, that's the beauty of film, is that not everything is going to click for everyone the same. Um, and uh, I, I really, there's so much about this movie I think you can appreciate. And as Corey pointed out, uh, just the opening montage of, like, where are we kind of see, like, look at the mountains and look at the mountains. Look at a deer drinking in a little stream. And now look at this little boy getting ready to kill that deer. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad that didn't happen. I was so nervous. I know. I was like, Corey's going to be mad at me if this I was going to be like, I'm going to turn this damn movie off right now. Like, like he, he's like, bang, 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 bang. John Wick, the Old West. Like, that was my uh, Um God. But, yeah, uh, I, I definitely enjoyed this movie a whole lot. Um, next week, uh, which I don't know if we've announced this on the podcast we because haven't. you were late to uh, picking um, because I this gave you a, crap. This um, was hard, though. This was a very hard genre for me to, like... I'm having trouble with a couple other months, too. Or uh, themes, I should say. Well, McCabe and Mrs. Miller is the movie we're watching next week. 
Um, it is from 1971 and stars uh, Warren Beatty, Julie Christie, Renee Aubergine, John uh, William Devane, um, Jean Shuck, Corey Fisher, Burt Remsen. I don't know. Oh, Shelley Duvall. Um, did you know she was in this? Uh, oh. Keith Carradine and Michael Murphy. And I'll stop there. It looks like everyone else doesn't have pictures. Uh, directed by Robert Altman. Um, so this is a, a 70s western. Uh, and a gambler and a prostitute become business partners in a remote Old West mining town. And their enterprise thrives until a large corporation arrives on the scene. Um, it's interesting, Corey, because I'd never heard of this film. Uh, we did some research and we found this was on a list of like top 10 westerns or something like that. Or two. alternate westerns. It was something like we tried to like narrow the search so it wasn't the traditional westerns. But so I mentioned I was doing lesson planning and I was reading about genre and this movie came up in the textbook that I was reading and I was like, okay, that's funny. I've never uh, heard of it. Now here it is again. I don't know if you ever get this where you're like, you're unaware of something and when you become aware of it, it suddenly it's surrounds everywhere. you. Yeah. Um, and then I went to FYE tonight and I'm flipping through like the used, like recently added and they had like a four pack of a Western thing. And this movie was in that four pack. And I was like, well, there it is again. Just like all of a sudden, never heard of it. Now it's just in my face everywhere. Um, I'm intrigued by this. I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, we purchased it on Vudu. Uh, so if you want to watch it with us, that's probably going to be your best bet. It does not appear to be streaming anywhere for free. You can rent it though digitally for like three bucks. So it's not too bad. Um, and it's a, it's one that I think is going to be kind of interesting. It's supposed to be a different type of Western, but a Western nonetheless. Uh, we will end the month with the searchers, um, which will be a very traditional and iconic Western, um, that I know for a fact is on the top 100 of, on the AFI list and one I've been trying to knock off for a while. So I do look forward to that for that reason. Um, we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on the movie Shane or the other movies that we watch this month or any month. You can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And if you like what we're doing, please rate and review us. It helps other people find the podcast and get more listeners so that we can continue making these podcasts. Um, we've got a lot left to do this year. We've got some really good themes coming up. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting into the next couple, in fact. Um, but right now, we're, we're in Howdy Partner, and so far, I am not disappointed. Um, sounds like you're a little disappointed, but, you know, hopefully your pick, not really. McCabe and Mrs. Miller, will be, uh, really good. I hope so. Well, we'll be back next week with our review of McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Um, in the meantime... Keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight Show's filmtastic selection of podcasts. Covering the entire movie-verse, there's something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.